You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Everybody, we have tons and tons of calls, so I'm not going to uh, shoot my mouth up. I'm not going to take advantage of my exalted position here at the top of the show to lecture and hector you about some bullshit that's bothering me. We're going to get right to your calls after this. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Smitten Kitten, offering an amazing selection of products for your sex life. Enter Savage at smittenkittenonline.com for 20% off your purchase. Today's Lovecast is brought to you by GetSTDTested.com. One phone call can hook you up with confidential, same-day STD testing, at-home testing, and other services that take the hassle out of getting yourself checked out. Call 888-387-1879 for more info. Hi, I just want to tell you a situation that happened then and wondered if you could help me to know whether or not I am, in fact, being the child that my husband says that I'm being. Um, it all started last night um, when, after a series of arguments that my husband and I have been having over many things, including sex or the lack thereof, we actually went out last night, and when we got back, um, I, when we came home, I took off my clothes, and I was undressing, and my husband, I looked over, and I saw my husband watching me from the bed. I stood there wearing my strapless bra and my cute little thong and feeling, you know, all hot and like I was looking good. Let me point out that I'm about 5'5", and I'm 128. And I know what you've said about the gym, and I believe in it, but I'm um, in my early 40s, and my weight has crept up, even though I don't go to the gym five days a week like I should, but I average about two, between two and four sometimes. I make five. But I've, I've been as slim as 118 when I've had ripped abs, etc. But now I would have a little trouble wearing a bikini, but I'm not what people would call fat. Um, but my husband has been pointing out the growing pockets of fat here and there um, over the course of the last few months or so. But last night I didn't think that was what was going on. In fact, I thought that I was getting some rare action. And my husband said, wait, let me take a picture. And so I posed when he took a snap and then two more up close. He looked at the picture silently, and I thought that I was looking like a goddess. I asked to see the pictures, and to my horror, Dan, he had focused on the extra pounds. See, he said, I'm just showing you the truth. I ran out of the room crying and he said, I was far too sensitive. He says, I'm acting like a five-year-old child. And to me, it felt like the meanest thing he could have done. And to this moment, this is still the next day, he's saying, well, you needed to see the truth. Um, the truth is that even when I was at my slimmest, tightest, he still couldn't have sex with me in a normal way, um, meaning of any regularity, the opposite of GGG, just like hit it in literally like 45 seconds, pulls out, comes on me, doesn't want me to use birth control because for some reason he has to come on me. And, but that's it, 45 seconds, silent, and I'm supposed to be satisfied. And even at my best, that's all that it was. 
And so it doesn't matter, it seems, whether I look good, which I should for myself. But the fact that he did that, it just seemed like unbelievable cruelty to me to, to intentionally focus on those extra pounds when he knew I thought that he was taking a cute picture, you know, a picture of the nice part of me. So help me out, Dan. I'm, this guy, I'm American, this guy, I'm African-American, this guy is from a, and I'm calling him this guy, <laughs> my husband, is from another country, from Eastern Europe. Um, a country in Eastern Europe, but the, he's done a lot of really horrible, mean things. He called me all sorts of names and all kinds of things, but that just seems over the top, like ridiculous. So please, I would love to hear your viewpoint on it. Am I being a child or is he the new Marquis de Sade? Um, this guy, I think, this guy will do. Let's not dignify this motherfucking piece of shit by calling him husband. Because he ain't. He's a fucking asshole, cruel, sadistic, obnoxious, selfish, ungiving, ungg piece of shit, and you need to divorce his ass immediately. Listen, uh, you know, you're not listening to my voice if you didn't listen to your own voice. And I know from personal experience it can be painful just to listen to your own voice when you're n clearly not upset. But listen to the sound of your voice when you're describing him and, and what he did and the way he makes you feel and the way he treats you. Leave him. Take him for whatever you can take him for. <laughs> Fucking take him to the cleaners if you can. But get the fuck out of this relationship. Get the fuck away from this obnoxious piece of shit. You are not fat. And even if you were, that's no excuse to treat you in the way that he has been treating you recently, and it sounds like the way he's been treating you the entire time you've been together. Divorce the motherfucker already. You know, I've said in the past, and I want to throw this out there even now, that one of your responsibilities when you're in a long-term relationship is to look after the health of your partner. And that includes like, honey, let's eat a little better. Honey, let's go to the gym. You Maybe you should go to the gym. You, lady, two to five times a week, you're going to the gym fucking plenty. You, eight, ten pounds heavier than you were at your quote-unquote ideal weight. Not a big deal. Not an issue. Not anything that would justify this kind of sadism. That said... I do think that people have a right to nudge, you know, that's one of the things you want, but there's a way you nudge, you nudge in a loving, compassionate, thoughtful, considerate, loving way, sucker punching someone the way he sucker punched you is not thoughtful, not considerate. Well, maybe it is thoughtful, premeditated. It ain't considerate. It ain't loving. It ain't what you deserve from a long-term partner, even a long-term partner who is trying to nudge you maybe to go to the gym a little bit because, you know, he's worried about your health or she's worried about your health or he or she's worried about being attracted to you still, which is a legitimate concern in a long-term monogamous relationship, I believe. All of that set aside, the way this man treats you is unacceptable. This was not a loving gesture. It sounds... Like there have been precious few loving gestures over the life of this marriage, which is why I think you should take this marriage outside behind the barn and blow its fucking brains out. Hi, Dan. Uh, my wife and I have been married for a little under two years, and we've been talking a lot lately about uh, kids and making one. And uh, we're, we're both really into it. We're really excited about it, about the idea of a kid 
made from us. It's exciting. I, I, I love my wife more than anything in the world. And the idea of, of, of a child made from us is, is a fantasy of mine. It's something that I've never wanted before. I've never wanted children. I've always hated children. Uh, but the idea of making something with her is, is, is amazing to me. The problem that I'm having is we're hitting that point now to where, you know, we got a couple months to where we really want this to fall on a certain schedule and, and we're getting, we're taking vitamins and prenatal pills and having sex as much as possible. And what I've realized is that my, my, my dick is not reacting as quickly as, as it used to, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stand up at attention that fast. Uh, it takes a little bit of work. It's not impotent. You know, it just, it just takes a little more, uh, enthusiasm. The, 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 the conflict is that it also solves a problem of mine that I always came too fast to, to begin with. Like I wasn't ever like, I wouldn't say premature, but just a little too fast. And, this actually solves that really well. And I'm wondering how to find peace with that. And I'm wondering if it belies some doubt in my little reptilian brain that maybe I don't want to be making babies. Even though my conscience brain is saying, yeah, go for it. Make a baby. Blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Shut up. You're nervous. You're taking a huge step with your dick or on your dick. Ouch. And the sex you're having now, besides being much more frequent, which is going to contribute to perhaps the issues that you're experiencing, it's much more consequential. It's hugely consequential. And your dick and you are approaching it with some trepidation, appropriately so, because you are about to make something out of both of you as you inelegantly put it over and over again, a child. So the sex you're having now for the really the first time in your life is supercalifragilistic, magic, powerful, heterosex, superpower sex, where you're going to like have your heterosex and nine months later she's going to spit a fully formed human being out of her twat. That would give you pause. That would you know make you regard your dick at that moment a little differently than perhaps you've regarded your dick at those moments in the past. Give yourself permission to be a little nervous. Give your dick permission to be a little less reliable. Uh, you're using it more than you've ever used it before, and you're using it for something else than you've ever used it before. But then try, once you give yourself permission to be nervous and to flag a little bit, try to get into the power and the glory and the passion and the fun. Try to regard this as, you know, not a job. I've had so many friends who've been trying to get pregnant and suddenly sex becomes less of a joy and more of an occupation and a grind. And you need to move away from that. Uh, the idea that it's a grind, the idea that it's an obligation. And while you're fucking the shit out of each other, or maybe you're not fucking the shit out. Maybe that's the problem. Some people, straight people I know, when they've decided to start making babies, start having sex in a whole different way. There was the way they had sex when they were fucking each other because they liked each other and they were turned on and they wanted to get off. And then they started having this sort of genuflect sex when they decided to have a baby where they sort of this reverential 
attitude and approach and they felt like those baby making sex attempts had to be love making as opposed to the boning each other silly sex that they enjoyed so much in the past if you're making that mistake if you're genuflecting before the altar of her fallopian tubes whereas you used to just bang away at her for fun and pleasure bang you can still get somebody pregnant banging the shit out of her because it's hot and it's sexy and it's fun and in the back of your head you can be thinking about the magic little baby cake you two will be baking nine months from now this episode of the savage Lovecast is brought to you by the smitten kitten smitten kitten has an amazing selection of products for your sex life whether you're single or partnered, their non-toxic, body-safe toys are the best quality products available. Shop their easy-to-navigate, secure website at smittenkittenonline.com or visit one of their stores in Minneapolis or Denver. Take 20% off any order online or in-store with the code SAVAGE. Smitten Kitten, sex toys for everyday people. Hi, Dan. So I just discovered that I was by maybe last year or so. It all came out of... My husband tried to figure out, I told him I was, uh, thought I was a lesbian. He's like, well, let's go to a strip club and we'll uh, figure it out. And I realized I'm getting a lot of pants from a chick and I'm next to my husband and I realized, holy crap, you know, I like, I like the cock and then and, and I like boobs. So, yay. So then I realized, hey, I, I'm, I'm bi. And I finally realized why I was jealous of you know, gay, the gays and lesbians that I knew because, like, they know. They know who they are and they, they are. They know what they like. So I'm like, oh, I'm bi. And not the, hey, I want my husband to bang me while I'm must-diving bi. It's like I feel like that's who I am. I, I love the cock and I love boobs. So there you go. That's who I am. So I decided I was going to go out and meet some people in the LGB community and I went to, to some some get-togethers, and all the, the lesbians there, they were nice and welcoming, and I told them I was in a long-term relationship, and, and they were so sweet and welcoming and invited me to all these things, and I thought, hey, I'm part of a group. And then eventually the question came up, what are you? Like, you know, they were asking me if I was a whatever. And I, I told them I was bi, and it was like, it was like I came out of the closet in the middle of a Mormon church or something. The temperature in the room dropped, like, to freezing. And the disdain was just, oh, my God, it was ridiculous. And, and then I answered the follow-up question, because that always comes up, I guess, when you're bi. And when I told them that my partner was a male, it was like they started to treat me like I was a fucking pedophile. So suffice it to say, I was never invited to the lesbian get and a couple of days later, I talked to one, a woman who said who was a lesbian, but she didn't want to call herself a lesbian because she didn't like how the lesbians treated people. I, it was stupid. And we talked. And she asked me questions, and I was like, well, I wanted to meet others like me. I didn't want a three-way. I wasn't going to cheat on my husband to prove my queerness. I just wanted – I didn't want to feel alone anymore. And And this was like – She's looking at me like I was a fucking unicorn or something. And I'm like, hey, we exist. And with her, it was like the interview from fucking hell. I mean, I, I wasn't planning on cheating on my husband. I wasn't going to stray or whatever. But it felt like since I was a bi woman and bi women are whores who prostitute themselves through marriage to fulfill some patriotical notion of a woman's supposed role in the world or whatever the fuck that is. My carpet muncher's application was denied because I wasn't good enough to enter the rainbow room. 
I mean, I felt hurt, dejected, alone, and above all, I was fucking angry. I mean, here I was trying to figure out my identity and come out of the closet, and I was shoved back in again. It was like, you know, I mean, Dave and Liz keep saying, come out, come out, wherever you are, but fuck, it seems like they're saying, oh, no, not you, confused unicorn. We mean the fag and the back over there. I mean, it's like... It just feels like that in LGBT, the B is silent because, hey, bi's are insignificant. I don't know. What the fuck do I do? I mean, why are they like that? Are, are women like me that much of a threat to lesbians? Um, can I have your, your thoughts on this? I mean, please, come on, give me something. It has not generally been my experience that the bees in LGBT are silent. Uh, quite the opposite. Um... What was this thing that you went to exactly? I tried to call you back, couldn't get you. Uh, you say you weren't invited to the Lagubuin Bugert, the lesbian yurt, the dessert course. I couldn't tell what it was you were excluded from by the evil, awful, mean, rotten, terrible, no good lesbians that you encountered at this LGBT event. You know, it sounds like you went to some sort of social gathering, perhaps a dating mating gathering. When what you needed to go to was perhaps a coming out support group, something a little more entry level. I'm not excusing whatever bad behavior you were subjected to or making excuses for women who might have given you the cold shoulder or been assholes. But a a bisexual identified married woman who shows up at a primarily lesbian event is going to be perceived as someone who's there looking for perhaps – and this is this perception has a lot to do with past experience, looking for a third, looking for a playmate to drag home to her husband. Perhaps the women that you encountered at this one event had had negative experiences with bi-identified, straight perceived women in the past, which is not to excuse what they did. But I hope that you wouldn't write off all lesbians and gays and transgenders everywhere because you had one negative experience at one event in one city at one time. You might want to give it a second chance. I hear you. I, I All my listeners heard you. We can tell that you're angry and perhaps justifiably so. You need to understand, though, the context in which – you're going to be perceived. There are a lot of married, straight, perceived, if not straight, identified women out there trawling lesbian bars and gay and lesbian environments for playmates, not women that they want to have a relationship with. And there you are saying, you know, you're not there to cheat on your husband. What is exactly that supposed to mean in that context? But a lot of women trawling environments like that looking for basically what they should go online and pay for, which is a hooker, an escort, a pro to bring home and uh, have a three-way. And I'm not saying that's what you were looking for. I'm saying that a lot of lesbians have encountered married by women in lesbian spaces who don't regard them as potential mates, potential partners, even potential human beings, but as walking, talking, boob-having sex toys that they should be able to check out of the lesbian sex toy lending library down at the lesbian bar and take home to the husband. That's the context. Not saying that's what you're after. Not saying that uh, the rudeness that you encounter is any way justifiable. I would encourage you, however, to give the lesbian, gay, bisexual, far from silent bees, 
and transgenders another chance. Go to a different environment. Go to a different kind of a club. If you went to some sort of dating mixer when you're a married, monogamous, bisexual, newly bisexually identified, otherwise straight lady, maybe a dating mixer was the wrong environment. You might want to go to a coming out support group where you will find that indeed uh, the bees aren't silent. And I'm sure in the wake of my answer, we will hear from many, many bees. And I will not silence them. I will, of course, play many of their calls. And finally, just a sort of general note, a lot of people make the mistake when they first come out of walk lesbian, gay, bi, trans, whatever, of walking into their first lesbian, gay, bi, trans, whatever environment and expecting there's going to be some sort of reception confetti and streamers and hugs they're going to be welcomed and celebrated because they had the temerity and courage to open their mouths and say for the first time they were lesbian gay bisexual transgender and that's just not the way it works the lesbian and gay and bisexual community isn't a birthday party that your mom is throwing for you it is an opportunity it is a, a, a space where you can go out and find perhaps people who are simpatico people you can get along with you can find some People who share not just your sexual orientation, but your values. But you know what? They're not going to be in the first place you look, necessarily. You might have to go looking a little harder to find your crowd, your community. Not just to find lesbians and gays and bisexuals, but to find those lesbians and gays and bisexuals in the lesbian and gay and bisexual haystack that you can click with and relate to. They weren't at this event that you went to caller maybe they're at some other event or in some other environment or at some other bar or some other function go someplace else look a little harder the first time a straight person leaves the house they don't expect to love and be celebrated by and welcomed and hugged and kissed by every straight person they see everywhere they go and your expectations are a little wonky and irrational if you expect the same treatment just because you're bi or lesbian or gay. I remember the first time I went into a gay bar, it wasn't exactly, you know, the welcome wagon for me either. It was awkward and stupid and people weren't necessarily very polite or nice, gotta say. Did I give up on gay people? No. I just kept looking until I found some better ones. I think you should do the same. Concerned that you might have a sexually transmitted disease? Want to talk over your options without going to a doctor's office? GetSTDTested.com offers physician-connected STD testing, including same-day STD testing, at-home testing kits, free doctor consultations, online prescriptions, and access to over 2,000 local centers. They also have several exclusive STD testing products delivered to your home. If you're looking for fast, accurate, and confidential testing, call one of the professional and compassionate reps today at 888-387-1879. Again, that number is 888-387-1879. Hey, Dan. I'm, you know, I'm a straight guy, like 20 years old, uh, you know, I'm working on college, all that's going great. Um, GGG, all that stuff, you know, yay me. But the uh, thing I want to talk to you about is there's one guy that I kind of like. Uh, we've been friends since high school, you know, we're really close, you know, share all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But, um... He's the only guy that ever kind of does it for me. I don't know if it's like maybe I'm bi, maybe I'm actually a little gay, or it's just like, you know, how you said, there's that one fire woman that every time it's you, you're just like, oh, hey, oh, wait, that's a woman. But um, I don't know. Is this something I should talk to him about? 
Should I just kind of sit on for a while? Uh, should I go out and fuck other boys and see if, you know, there's something else going on here? But um, I would be good to give me a call back. Is this one particular boy that you've known for a long time that you feel a particular and peculiar rapport with gay himself or bi? That would make it easier for you to just admit. If he, is he heteroflexible? Is he sort of the modern, new age, straight guy who is not terrified of gay people, not terrified of gay sex, and not necessarily unwilling to perhaps entertain the possibility that he too, like you, may one day encounter the one guy who does it for him. The odds that just because he's the one guy who does it for you, you are, conversely, if he is straight identified, the one guy who does it for him are pretty slim. So you might want to, you know, nurse your crush for a while, hang out with him, see if there's any sort of mutual vibe, see if this passes, perhaps. It's just an ecstasy hangover. See if it passes. If it doesn't, and you get drunk enough one night and you want to tell him, and you feel that he's the kind of person that would react positively to this news, even if he didn't take you up on the offer of the blowjob that you would uh, so kindly be holding out for him, then you might want to risk it. Nothing ventured, no blowjobs gained. Hi, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old queer female in New York, and I'm looking for a little guidance. In the last year or so, I found that I've become more and more attracted to trans and genderqueer persons. However, I grew up in the woods of New England, so this is all totally foreign to me. I didn't even make it out of the closet until about four years ago. As I work at understanding these concepts better, I found that the transgender community is extremely close-knit and rather touchy. I once accidentally said yes ma'am to an acquaintance who apparently doesn't identify with ma'am, even though they do identify as femme. I don't even understand what the difference is between these, but I totally respect this person's choices, I guess. Um, but this person has literally never talked to me since that incident. I would love to know more about gender and transgender theories, but I don't really know where to start. So I was hoping that you could help me, um, maybe with a reading list or something. I'm not really sure. The T's aren't silent, that's for sure. But you're getting the silent treatment from one of them. And thank fucking God, the female-identified trans person that you called ma'am, but she's not ma'am-identified trans, female-identified trans person, and now she won't speak to you? Yahtzee, you fucking win. That's all sixes right there. That's not somebody you want to talk to. That's a crazy bitch. I hope that I hope she's bitch identified. That would be you know not calling her a bastard. I wouldn't want to step on her transy toes. You know, sometimes it feels like sexual minority communities will freak out at the people who are at hand, the people they can get. You know. A uh, fundamentalist Baptist preacher isn't going to go to a trans community event and commit a faux pas that will then allow the trans people there to beat him to death with his own arms torn out of their sockets. So you stumble in, attracted to trans people. One of the top trans complaints in the world is that there aren't a lot of people out there who are willing or able or open enough to date a trans person. And there you come, stumbling into the room, ready to date trans and... uh People start policing your pronouns and being dicks. May I say the way I use that word? Being twats, being cunts, being dorks, being dildos to you? Driving you out. Because because you're at hand. Because you're handy. Because 
because Rush Limbaugh isn't going to show up. And so they've got to beat you up. What you need to say when that happens is, excuse the fuck out of me. Forgive me. I'm on your fucking side. Hello. Willing to have a chat about my grievous wrong here, dumb fuck. But if this is the way you treat your allies, you're not going to get very far in life. And you're not going to get very far into my pants either or anyone else's. And fuck you. That's the appropriate response. When a female-identified trans person freaks out at you for using a female pronoun in reference to that female-identified trans person. But don't you feel bad about it? Don't you feel self-conscious? And don't you stop going to those events where that dingbat is who won't talk to you? You know what? When you see that dingbat who won't talk to you, you should feel relieved. It should make, you should feel elated because there are a lot of idiots in the world and you've eliminated one from your uh, acquaintanceship pool. You don't have to talk to this fucking moron. What a delight. Hey, Dan. I am a 25-year-old gay male, and I'm calling because I am having an issue with using condoms. It isn't that I don't want to use them, but every time I slip one on, my dick goes completely limp within seconds. I am assuming this is all completely psychological on my part, but I can't help but to think that my sexual past might have something to do with it. In my teens and early 20s, I had many, many partners, and almost never used condoms. Thankfully, I never caught anything, but as a result of a few years working through some stuff and reflecting on my idiotic ways, I have become extremely paranoid about contracting any STIs, especially HIV. I have recently started dating after ending a long-term relationship in which we were fluid bonded, and I am worried that my condom-induced limp dick is going to be a serious obstacle with potential new partners. This brings me to my question. I have used drugs like Viagra in the past, recreationally, with much success. However, I do not find them to always be readily available. Is it appropriate to ask my doctor for a prescription under these circumstances? I have a very sex-positive, gay-friendly primary care provider, but I'm not sure how appropriate or how comfortable I would be bringing this up to him. Also, what are the possible long-term effects from starting to use something like Viagra at such a young age? Finally, if you think taking a pill to resolve my issue is the scrotum's way out, then uh, what are other solutions might you recommend? I'm not buying it. The idea that condom plus erection equals soft dick. Maybe you have some sort of psychological hang-up. I don't think that you should start popping Viagra. Viagra has side effects. Viagra has potential serious side effects. And you're only 25. And if your dick is hard when it's not in a condom, you should be able to get past the hump and keep your dick hard when it is in a condom. Here's what you need to do. Instead of only hauling the condoms out when you're with somebody and you need them uh, in the moment, you should start masturbating with condoms. When you're going to rub one out, roll a condom on and masturbate with that condom on. Stroke yourself while you're alone with the condom on. That will remove performance anxiety issues from the equation, from the condom equation, in those moments when you're alone and you're masturbating. Also, clean up will be a breeze, a snap. And then when you're with somebody, if you're going to start dating somebody and having relationships as opposed to assignations, which it sounds like what you used to have, and thank God and, thank, and good for you for straightening up your act and no longer taking uh, unreasonable batshit crazy risks with your health and your safety sexually. When you're going to be with somebody, just tell them. Just say, you know, condoms sometimes scare my dick off. 
even if it's not true anymore, say it. Because again, then you're relieving, you're relieving yourself from the performance anxiety burden. You're setting that down. And you're saying, my dick may or may not go like gangbusters if I have to wear a condom. And you know what? Here's a little secret. You can have sex without condoms. If you have sex that doesn't require condoms, meaning you can have non-insertive sex. You can also have oral sex without condoms, with much lower risk for HIV transmission and everything else. Your option is not no sex or fucking somebody in the ass with a condom. There are other options. There's other things at play. And you can, and many guys have, had long-term relationships, dated, 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 had very little, little to no anal sex until such a time arrived as they could test and abandon condoms altogether because they, like you, preferred sex without condoms. A lot of straight people out there who feel that way too. A lot of straight guys feel that way. And you know what they do? They establish a long-term monogamous relationship and have unprotected sex in the context of a monogamous relationship. You can too, faggot. You can do that too. I'm a heterosexual 38-year-old female, been married for 17 years, and we dated for two years before we were married. We had a wonderful sexual relationship when we were dating and when we were initially married. And over the years, um, my fault, sex has gotten very vanilla. The only time it gets a little bit more risque is if I'm under the influence of alcohol. Um, otherwise, sober, I'm almost embarrassed. However, I fantasize about submission, and I have had a few affairs where um, there was no emotional involvement with the people, but I did get what I wanted out of it sexually. My question is, how can I get out of my marriage with a very monogamous man what I want, even though I have a hard time being that way with him? It's almost like I have to be in an anonymous relationship in order to be truly sexually adventurous. And I don't know how to fix that. It is not his fault. It's mine. He would be open to anything. I just don't view him that way. It's almost like uh, he's a man in public and a man in the bedroom. And I wish I knew how to make a horse in the bedroom, but I'm too embarrassed. Okay. So does your husband know about these affairs? Many, many, many years ago. Does We've he been know? Together a very long. We've been together almost two decades. Okay. Does he know? Okay. Does he know about? Did that years ha- ago? Two. I, I'm not saying. I'm not. All. I'm not saying that you have to tell him. I don't think that a marriage is a deposition. So I, I was just curious whether you guys had ever had a no holds barred conversation about sexual needs and your histories together. Um. What I've noticed is, um, and maybe some of your other married people in the show can uh, agree to this, it changes over time. You are in the infatuation stage, you have crazy, fun, wonderful sex, you have sex outside in the rain, there's no holds barred. Then you get married, and you get into a routine, mm-hmm. then children come along, Mm-hmm. Um, libidos change. Yeah, you don't, you're not telling me anything and, I don't know. I've been in a long-term relationship I myself. 
you okay. do. I mean, you do in a long-term relationship. I think particularly when there are children involved, you have a responsibility to put a thumb on the scale and gin up some of that excitement instead of letting it drain away because letting it all drain away thoughtlessly imperils the survival of this relationship, right? Or any relationship over the long term, which isn't good for the kids. So it always kind of mystifies me, particularly when you talk to straight couples who are like, well, you know, we had kids and then our sex life changed because we had kids. It's like, no, no, no. That's when you need to make sure you, you do what you can. You know, the sex will never be as frequent, or as easy to, to pull off, you know, require more intentional scheduling and, and plotting uh, than it did before. But you got to really make an effort. Here's what I think you need to do to get past the barrier you feel with your husband around some of your desires. I think you guys should... That's the key is I'm now feeling more, you know, after eight years where my libido went away for a while... I'm now feeling a little bit more spicy. Okay, well, tell him. Tell him. How old are your kids, roughly? Under 10, over 10? Uh, under. Okay, but but getting up there a little bit, like a little more self-sufficient than they used to be? Absolutely. And Absolutely. You can, School age, uh, fourth grade. Absolutely. And you can dump them on the parents? Your parents? Again? You can dump them on we your actually, parents? Uh, no, we actually, neither side has any family left. Oh, I'm Everybody's, sorry. Um, that's, you know, it's. It's what makes us who we are. You got good friends? Yeah. You can dump them on for a weekend? Um, you know, it's it's not really even a dumping thing. Um, you know, you can do that sometimes, but... Uh, yeah, that's all. I want you to do that once. I'm just, I'm trying to get you to, like, if you have somewhere you can park your kids for three, for two days, right. Friday through Sunday, right. here's what I want you to do. Get some ecstasy. MDMA. Uh... I'm, yeah, I know. I know exactly what we're talking about. Neither of our careers would. Um, Do they drug test in your careers? Out. Absolutely. Okay, get some fucking vodka. <laughs> All right. You know, it, it really is a shame that MDMA is prohibited under circumstances like this because they used to use it in marriage counseling to help Absolutely. people and whose that's relationships. When I used it was when it was pharmaceutical grade, and now that it's not pharmaceutical grade, it's a very dangerous, dangerous, dangerous drug. I, I, I completely agree. It's very dangerous, and I would never recommend that anyone do it ever. But Except, you're saying anything that lowers inhibitions. Yeah, something that lowers inhibitions like booze. Okay. And not get so shit-faced, but what you need to do is just like Absolutely. you're not happy. There's, there's, you can get there with your husband. You just have to decide that the risk you're running now, where you're sexually dissatisfied, where you're looking at other people perhaps again, where you're contemplating affairs, where you look at him every day and you're, you know, you're filling with resentment because he's not meeting your needs, that those risks are greater than the risk of just telling him the fucking truth. Get drunk, get him drunk and say, we need to reboot our sex life. Because I need this, this, and this, and we're going to ramp it back up because I want to want to fuck you, and I want you to want to fuck me, and we're going to fuck like this now for a while, and we're going to have a great fucking time. Take your pants off now. That's what you need to do. And it sounds counterintuitive to say you need to be assertive about your submissive desires, but you do. Hmm. And you just need to throw it out. You need to. It's like coming out of the closet when you're a gay 14-year-old. You just got to say it out loud, and then it's done. Just say it fucking out loud, not to me, to him. And then it's done. That's and a good. That's a good analogy about coming out because I think that would be a very painful, difficult thing for people to have to do. So that's a very good analogy. You know, and your experience um, is not unique. A lot of people, I, a lot of people's libidos kind of go into hibernation when they have kids. And you know, you talk to people who are swingers. You talk to a lot of people who are involved in sort of the organized BDSM community. Um, 
and a lot of them arrive at it after their kids are, you know, in grade school and high school, and then they have this sort of resurgence of desire for each other, and their sex life okay. starts raging again. So don't look at your the current sort of, you know, iced up. And I think swinging is dangerous. Well, dangerous. I'm not telling you to swing. I'm just telling you the know, example know, of swingers. Just go. <laughs> Okay. Just take okay. their example, which is which is that a lot of people, you know, the tide goes way out when the kids are young, and then it comes rushing back in. But you can only enjoy it if your boat's still in the water. So Dan, how do you get over the feeling of you want to do something with somebody because it's anonymous, and you almost, you know, you almost let's put it in your terms, bathhouse sex, and it's anonymous, and you can be uninhibited because you know that. You don't really ever have to deal with this human being again. But then when it comes to your spouse, this person you have to look at every day, it's embarrassing. What is that? That is sex shame. That is you being ashamed of your own desires. That is you being afraid of having to look somebody in the eye the day after who saw, you know, the howling void at the, you know, at the middle of your erotic imagination really saw you exposed and you being afraid of having to look at that person the next day and have a conversation about getting the kids off to school. Because what you feel like, because you feel like you're going to be judged by that person, so it's easier to have sometimes that sort of risky sex where you're really putting your desires out there with someone you're never going to see again because that person can't judge you. What causes sex shame? What causes sex shame? I don't know. People, the way people are raised, religion, crazy parents, and, and sometimes people just pick it up in the culture. It's in the. It's really in the air. And then what you get is this state of affairs where people will really risk exposing themselves in every possible sense of that term to a stranger, but won't take that same risk with a partner. And then the relationship with their partner falls apart because of it, because they didn't risk having that kind of really intense erotic connection with their partner that they could have if they could get past the shame, which is where MDMA comes in or booze comes in, but also just open your mouth, tell the fucking truth. Just spit it the fuck out. And once it's said, it can't be unsaid. And if you are worried about you know, in the moment doing something with him where you're going to look at him and think, oh my God, that's my husband that I'm doing this with. Wear a goddamn blindfold. Get a hood. And just send yourself off into a fantasy space where he could be anybody. But you need to start so talking to this. The safest place to, to be is with that person. The safest place is with your partner, period. Yeah, but I think part of what you want is risk. Part of, you know, if you're out there, if you're contemplating doing this anonymously or you have done it anonymously, part of what spun your crank was danger and risk. So yeah, absolutely. don't say, oh, I want it to be safe and cuddly. Like, you want it to be dangerous and risky a bit with the husband. And you know, one of the places you can, can do you that, that is a B, is you know if you're into submissive shit, BDSM clubs, which you know attract a lot of swingers. But the one thing a lot of people who aren't swingers don't seem to realize about those environments is that swinging is not compulsory. There's a lot of people, a lot of couples who come for the sexually charged environment and the voyeurism, and never touch anybody uh-huh. but each other. So you wouldn't be treated okay. as a freak. There would be no pressure depending on the club that you went to. There might be some requests. You might get asked, but that's not the same thing as pressure. Okay. You know, the swinging scene and the, the, the organized BDSM scenes are really kind of matriarchal. Like they work if women will come, and if women don't feel safe, they don't come, and the scene collapses. You will have to say, I, we're only here to look. I'm not interested. We're just here for the, the fun and the environment and the dancing and the hanging out. And you might have to tell a couple people. Up. 
Yeah, and you might have to tell a couple people, oh, no, thank you, but we'd rather not. We're just here. And they'll go the fuck away instantaneously. And usually at those sorts of parties, I think you should go to one. At those sorts of parties, there'll be basically hall monitors where if somebody's making you feel uncomfortable, you just have to say, that person's making me feel uncomfortable. And that person is frog-marched out of the venue. I think I even have to just get to the point of watching a porno with him because I haven't even done that. <laughs> watching a <goddamn laughs> porno with your husband. Baby steps. I haven't done that. I but, talked about that. I did bring that up the other day. And what did he say? What did he say? He goes, oh, that'd be good. Okay. You know, just kind of, yeah, sure, that'd be fine. Okay, he may be, a, I know he, he may be one of those dudes who's afraid of being, you know, called an asshole in a cad for pressuring his wife into doing things she's not comfortable with. So if he said, oh, yeah, that might be fun sometime, he might be thinking, fucking A, yes, 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 but yeah. then I'm going to be a gentleman about it and not, like, pressure because I don't want to, like, get in trouble. Go, he looks at it on the internet. Go get a goddamn porno and watch it with your fucking husband. Okay. okay. Do it tonight. You do it tonight and I'll All do right. it tonight with my husband. I'll leave your husband I, out of it. I, I respect you. I love you. I'm in the medical profession is what I'm going to say. And these are the things that all of my patients should learn at a very young age are the things that you say. And oh. there was some advice you gave on a show uh, a few weeks ago about a man who needed to talk to a 17-year-old about sex, a, a female. I typed down everything you said. I put it in a locked place. And when my child is of age, that is what I'm going to say. Read this. Well, thank this you very much. You it's very sweet of you to say. Here. Go fuck the shit out of your husband. Go tell him exactly how you want him to fuck the shit out of you. I want you and your husband to be happy together, and I want you to be fulfilled in that relationship. Okay. But you got to risk it. Okay. Or it won't happen. Okay. Good luck. Thank you so much. Bye. Um, hi, Dan. My name is Mark. Um, I was uh, listening to your podcast earlier today. I was 2.06, I think. And you were talking to this guy, um, and you made a comment um, about the fact about his sexuality. Um, you were talking about how because he randomly makes out with other guys, um, and he's straight, but he does this when he was drunk. And you were talking about how no guy or no other gay guy you knew, um, and that no gay guys would make out with a girl. I do it on a regular basis, even when I'm sober. I have no problem doing it. I don't think it indicative of my sexuality. I don't think that because I make out with girls, I'm bi, because I do identify as gay. Um, it's just, it's not a big issue for me. I don't think something, I think there's more to human sexuality than you know, black and white. There's too many shades of gray. And just because you like to kiss uh, a certain sex doesn't mean you're not, doesn't mean you're sexually attracted to them. Um, it just means you'll make out with them. Hey, Dan, I just wanted to call because I was just listening to your podcast 206 about bisexuals, and I'm a bisexual woman, and I'm currently living in Sweden, and I, too, had sort of that idea that you you were telling some guy that he couldn't, that making out with a guy um, was, was was an indication that he wasn't straight or that, I don't know, then... You, you said that you don't do it, you don't make out with women, and your gay friends don't make out with women, and straight guys don't make out with guys. And just want to let you know, here in Sweden, I have been blown away by the amount of men who have openly admitted to making out with other guys, how common it is, how it's not necessarily tied to any homo 
erotic. Well, I mean, I guess it's pretty homoerotic. But anyways, it doesn't come from maybe um, a place of lust as so much as it's just something that happens and um, might be more akin to how common it is to see North American women making out with one another, even though they're not actually that attracted to women sexually. Um, anyways, so I've met loads of bisexual men here as well, straight men who make out with men, who are straight identified men who make out with men and don't think that they have a tra- an attraction to men, um, and straight men who have hybrid or straight identified men who have harbored um, sexual attractions to men and then freely admit it to me. And so, anyways, I just think that it might ne- not necessarily be such a strict biological mandate like uh, you think it is, and there are places where there's a bit more exploration with that. Hi, Dan. I was just listening to your last podcast, and I felt really uh, emotional about what you were saying about the suburban, rural teenagers' suicides and how you and your husband partner uh, started your YouTube video site. And so I decided to call my little brother, my little gay 15-year-old brother who lives out in the boonies and remind him that I loved him and that shit gets better and eventually he'll be able to move to the city and shit will get better. And he said thank you and that he loved me and that's exactly what he needed to hear. So thanks for everything good you guys do. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for your calls, your questions, and your comments. We're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, if you just can't get enough of me, you can read me every day at slog.thestranger.com, the blog at the paper where Savage Love originates, where I blog every day, and you can read there the Savage Love letter of the day. 206-201-2720 is the number here again. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Love Cast. Thanks for butt fucking. I mean downloading. I mean listening. <laughs>